welcome back in everyone to C-Dubs Locks, the betting segment on the Schmokin' Hot Takes podcast. I'm your host C-Dubs, and we got absolutely smoked last week. There's definitely more of a spotlight on these playoff games because everyone's watching every single game. So if I pitch something that whiffs completely, big total swing and a miss, which we did that spectacularly on multiple games this last weekend. Everyone knows that it's that you sucked. It's completely different versus the regular season when you have 16 games in a week. No one's watching my, you know, my Jets Falcons under with all the rest of the competitive games happening each week. So there's not as much pressure to hit these. But in the playoffs, when you when you stake your name and your sake on these plays, and they just completely flop, it's embarrassing and it's tough to it's tough to face. However, we're going to do that this week. We're going to let's, let's just rip the band-aid off now with our recap. Okay? So we went 2 and 4 in the wild card week. And there were 6 games wild card weekend. We bet 5 of them. We only got one correct. We we there was only one game where we hit winning bets. And we happened it happened to be the game where we had two bets, thankfully, so it kind of saved the week. The game we did not bet was the Tampa Bay philadelphia game and of course the one time i stay off that when i say oh yeah like tampa bay i would lean to tampa bay they actually win the game so you know you you could make the argument that they won because i didn't put money on them or you could make the argument that they won because philly was just trash and so maybe i should have made that an official play and i would have gone three and four instead i go two and four and it it was would have been losing either way but whatever so, wildcard weekend, we have two wins. They both come from the same game. That game was the Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Miami Dolphins. We were on the KC minus four and a half. And to me, this one was a no-brainer. Like I said last week, Tua has never won a cold-weather game when the weather's under 40 degrees. And honestly, he maybe never will with how poor their offense looked in those conditions. Uh, the Dolphins never stood a chance. And it really shows the importance of winning your, of winning your division because I think if they had managed to beat the Bills in Week 18 and have that home game, or had had that home game, I should say, there's probably a good chance we're talking about Miami this week in one of these divisional round games. Unfortunately for them, that's not the case. That didn't happen, and KC rolled. They won 26-7 to this one, easily covering the 4.5. Now, our second bet that we had in this game was we were also on the under, which was the line for that was set at 44. Another slam dunk play here. Kansas City's offense, they they still have not been able to finish in the red zone. They had to settle for field goal after field goal after field goal. And they were completely shutting down Miami's offense as well. So that, my friends, is the recipe for an under. It almost makes me want to take the under this week with Kansas City traveling on the road to take on Buffalo. But you're going to have to stick around to hear what my official play is in that one in just a little bit. So that was it for the wins. I, I would love to say, hey, look, we won this one and that one. Didn't happen, okay? We had four losses on the week. And now it's going to get into rant time. So bear with me wherever you're at. Um, so first game of the week, we had uh, Cleveland at minus two and a half taking on the Houston Texans. And what the hell am I doing betting Joe Flacco in 2024, bro? The, this loss was so deserved. We I should have seen it coming from a mile away. I didn't side with Flacco once since he returned to the NFL 
with the Browns five, six weeks ago or whatever. Of course, he makes the playoffs. The sentiment of him potentially winning a game in the playoffs, it tugs at your heartstrings. I'm a Jags fan. I hate the Texans because they won the division. They snuck in over the Jags. So, of course, I'm not going to pick them. So I, I, I ride with Cleveland. The Browns defense, dude, it looked like straight cheeks out there. I mean, like what? Did anyone watch this game and be like, huh, I wonder where Cleveland's safeties are on the field? Because I thought that on just about every single deep pass that CJ Stroud threw. Like what? Free safety, strong safety, any kind of safety, man. They just they weren't on the field. It literally looked like Cleveland was playing with nine players on defense. Like what? What are we, dude, I mean, every single time Stroud threw it deep, they were open every single time. It, oh, it was the most frustrating thing to watch. And, and despite all of that, we still had a competitive game going into, going into halftime. The Browns were still in it. It looked like they had a chance. And then Flacco throws two horrendous, horrendous pick sixes. And the game gets blown wide open, and and that's it. That's all she wrote. So, you know, I, we knew Flacco would probably turn the ball over. You just kind of hoped, hey, maybe, hopefully he's not a pick six. Well, unfortunately, he doubled it and made it two. So, I, I take full responsibility for this pick. Should have seen it coming. The, the Browns' defense, their home and away splits were, were completely different on the road. They were getting shellacked. And when they did beat them, I pointed out last week when they beat the the Texans on the road earlier in the season that Davis Mills was their quarterback. So how much money, how much do you put into that? I don't know. Apparently, we put too much into that. So I was too obsessed with with really fading rookie quarterbacks. I would think I would say last week, and I, I really overestimated looking at the actual matchups of the games. So we we'll take that one on the chin. That was a loss. Now. One of our other losses of this week, we had Pittsburgh plus 10 on the road taken on the Buffalo Bills. And while I will say I pitched a loss, I'm blaming the NFL on this one, okay? Look, I understand three feet of snow in an NFL game is not optimal conditions. But come on, man. Don't move it to the one sunny day of the following week, bro. Like, oh, I totally harpooned this play. As soon as I saw the snow was gone at opening kickoff, I wanted off this train. And I almost texted my bookie and said, yo, yo, take take what I have, double it, and put it on the Bills minus 10. Because the Pittsburgh plus 10, it ain't hitting, okay? My whole theory was that with the bad weather, with the snow, it, it just would completely limit Josh Allen's playmaking ability. With it just being cold... Josh Allen did Josh Allen things. I mean, we, we've all seen his 50-yard touchdown run. That was nuts. Where it kind of looks like he's faking the slide. Whap! Goes straight past the two defenders. 50-yard touchdown run. You know, in a snow game, I don't think that crap happens. I don't think he just throws it around, you know, 30 yards here, 40 yards here. I don't think that happens in a snow game. I really don't. And, you know, funny enough, this play did actually have life at the end of the game. Tyler Bass... They have a 27, the Bills have a 27-yard field goal. They're up by 17, or sorry, excuse me, they're up by 14. They have a 27-yard field goal just outside of the two-minute warning. Or with it, you know, two-minute warning happens, there's like a minute 50 left on the clock. Tyler Bass completely hooks the 27-yard field goal. Steelers get the ball at the 25 with a minute 50 left in the fourth quarter. All we need to touchdown, and we hit the over. 
The refs even tried to help. They they called the kind of a ghost helmet to helmet call against Mason Rudolph. So Steelers are driving. Steelers have the ball at like the 30 yard line with 25 seconds left. Mason Rudolph chucks one up to the end zone. He underthrows Deontay Johnson, who tries to fight his way back to the ball, but can't quite get there. The ball falls incomplete at like the one yard line. Deontay, he would he would have scored. He was in. But Rudolph just underthrew it. So the next play happens, 15 seconds left. And what does Mason Rudolph do? What does this guy do? He runs like a pseudo quarterback draw. Like he doesn't even look that it, it, to see if his receivers are open. The dude just tucks and runs and goes down in the middle of the field with no timeouts. What are we doing? Mason Rudolph? Like, oh, such a tease at the end too, because it really did look like the refs were in on Pittsburgh plus 10 because they, I mean, like I said, they started calling some weird stuff and it was like, okay, all right. I see you refs. I see that we are one and the same as degenerates on Pittsburgh plus 10. Guess not. Where was the PI, boys? A ghost PI would have been nice. Regardless, because of the because of the bad weather, I still stand by the plus 10 if it was in the snow. I will stand by that. Unfortunately, the bad weather that we were promised never came. So that was, that was another loss on the week. Now, probably the most comical loss of of wildcard weekend for us. We had the Dallas Cowboys minus seven. Talk about dropping an absolute goose egg. Do, do I need to say anything on this? It Just look. If you want an in-depth analysis of this game, go listen to the main show that came out earlier this week. Listen to K-Dog rant about his team, okay? This, I knew, I I turned off the game after two drives. Why? Because Dak and CeeDee Lamb, for how great they were the entire regular season, they looked like they were playing their first ever game together at the rec center. They were trying to figure out routes, positioning. They just didn't look all like they were on the same page. And, I mean, dude, you can't do that in an NFL game. Showing up for a home playoff game, let alone a playoff game, right? And acting like it's a preseason game, that's impressive. Not for the right reasons. That's impressive, though. Kudos to Green Bay. They showed up ready to go, and it showed. And Dallas, woof, man, woof. Better luck next year. So that was our third loss, and our fourth loss. This, this one was the most tragic. You know, I, like, I've enjoyed ranting about the, these plays just because I, I truly was very frustrated on Monday after all of these games ended. But this one takes the cake. So we had the over in the Rams and Lions game. The over was set at 51 and a half. Okay. The offenses combined to score on every possession except the last two in the first half. We end the first half. They go into the locker room. There are 38 combined points. We need two touchdowns to cash this play. Both teams come out of the locker room, and it looks like their defenses are replaced with the 1980 Pittsburgh Steelers steel curtain defense, and they go on to allow a combined three field goals. We needed 14 points, ladies and gentlemen, and we got nine from some of the best, most high-powered offenses in the league going against mediocre defenses 
and you get nine points in 30 minutes? Are you kidding me? How does this not hit? I, I want you to stop what you're doing right now. Pretend you're looking at C-dubs in the face. You're looking at me in the face. How does this not hit? Tell me. Someone, please. I, oh. I was sick to my stomach watching this. I, I you know, I, I was so confident at halftime. I texted my bookie and said, hey, send me the Venmo. And, and you know what he did? He hit me with the reverse Uno card an hour and a half later saying, no, you send me the Venmo. I don't know what you can do in situations like this other than just look away, swallow the pride, move on. This was totally the right play. The team's just figured out how to play defense at halftime, I guess. But this, yeah, I mean, I came off last week talking about, yeah, Giants plus five and a half and the money line over the Eagles in week 18. That might have been one of the best wins of the week. Every play this week is up there for the worst loss of the week, easily. Like, they're not even close. This week just sucked, okay? So that's our review of wildcard weekend. We end up going two and four. As a wise man once said, you only, you're only one good betting week away from flushing out the bad memories of the previous week. We move on to the divisional round now, where there's only four games, right? From here on out, each every week, we're going to have fewer and fewer games. There's only four this week. It... You know, it, it bugged me last week that I said I was going to stay off Tampa, and they they won. We're not going to do that anymore. Look, I I know I'm going to get that game wrong, but I'd be I would not be able to forgive myself if that happened again. So we're we're going to go ahead and bet all for this week, even though Tampa Bay was permanently banned a couple weeks ago. So let's get into it. Our first play for the first game of d- the divisional week. The Houston Texans are traveling on the road to take on the Baltimore Ravens. Houston is currently a nine and a half point underdog, and we are going to take Houston plus nine and a half. Now, am I falling for the trap on this one? 51% of the money's currently on Houston plus nine and a half. So folks are relatively split on this. Flashback all the way back to week one when these teams played each other in Baltimore. The Ravens won 25-9 in what was C.J. Stroud's first NFL start and D'Amico Ryan's first NFL game as a head coach. Now, the reason why I bring this up is because the spread that week was also 9.5 points. Despite everything we've seen, from, we've seen from Stroud this year, Vegas is setting the line and at exactly the same, 9.5 and the over-under, they only bumped it up by one. The over-under in week one was 42.5. Now it's 43.5. So it, this doesn't make any sense to me. You're saying that the C.J. Stroud and the Texans, who have probably developed the most out of any team in football this year, is still going to be the exact same line as week one, playing the same team? It, this doesn't make any sense to me. Going back to 2017, number one seeds with the bye have only covered spreads 55% of the time. Baltimore's number ones on, on both offense and defense really haven't played a meaningful game since Christmas when they destroyed the 49ers. Yes, I get it. They massacred the Dolphins the following week at home, 56-19 to 19 or whatever that score was. But there's a large gap between playing the Dolphins, especially with the Dolphins' form on the road where they basically collapse in the second half of the year, versus going into 
the and into San Francisco and trying to win that game, which they did. So their starters have had roughly two to three weeks off from game action. I think Baltimore is going to find a way to win this game. I think they will win this game, but I really am finding it difficult to believe that they're gonna that they're gonna not come out rusty and 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 be you know what what we've come to expect them to look like out there. I think they're gonna come out very rusty. I think this could be an uphill battle against one of the hottest offenses in the league. The the Houston run right now it really reminds me of 2012, which was Russ, Russell Wilson's rookie season with the Hawks, when. They we the Seahawks went into Washington, and they they beat RG three there as a wild card team. No one really were on. No one picked us to win that game, but we we managed to win that game, similar to last week with Houston and Cleveland. Then the Hawks went on the road, took on the Atlanta Falcons, who were a top seed, and they they almost beat them. They they had them on the ropes. They only ended up losing that game by two. I think. That nine and a half is just too many points for my liking in this one. So I'm going to take Houston plus nine and a half as my first play this week. Now in this game, we will also be on the under. So the over-under, like I said a couple, uh, just a little bit ago, is 43 and a half. We're going to take the under in this game. The first time these two teams played, conditions were ideal for football. It was 80 degrees, sunny, no wind. And how many points did they score? Yeah, not even 40. Final score was 25 to 9, 26 to 9. One of those two. In this game, the weather's going to be woeful, with the forecast calling for heavy rain throughout the entire game, along with wind gusts reaching 17 miles per hour. You guys know the drill. If it's windy and over 15 miles an hour, we're taking the under. I also like this because I think if the Ravens do end up covering the 9.5, it'll be on the back of their defense making plays and really limiting Houston's score and possession possessions. So we managed to go two for two on, on one of the games last week. We'll see if we can do it in this one. Now our third play of the week, we're going to travel to San Francisco where the 49ers are currently favored by 9.5, taking on the Green Bay Packers. Weirdly enough, I'm on the other side of the 9.5 on this one. I'm going to lay the points with the 49ers. The 49ers defense is not nearly as fraudulent as the Cowboys proved to be last weekend. The 49ers are a top two defense in the league against the run, which Green Bay runs uh 43% of their offensive plays are designed runs which is top 10 in the league so they love to run the ball that's a bad matchup for them going up against one of the better run defenses in the league on the flip side green bay on defense they love to run a defensive uh a zone scheme on defense and the 49ers on offense happen to be ranked top 3 in terms of offensive efficiency against teams that run a zone that's a bad matchup for green bay again long story short San Francisco is sitting pretty looking at looking at these matchups here, both on offense and defense. Jordan Love caught us flat-footed with our pants down last week. He's not stealing the coin this week. The forecast for this one also calls for a ton of rain throughout, which honestly really favors Christian McCaffrey just getting the full load against a run defense that is ranked 28th in the league in the regular season against the run. That's not good. Again, the matchups are completely skewed in the 49ers' favor. I get it. Green Bay came out hot last week. They shocked the world. I think it's a reality check going up against one of the top defensive units in the league. I'm sticking with the 49ers minus 9.5 in this one. Now, our fourth game of the week. We are going to be traveling to Detroit, who are hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Detroit's currently favored by 6.5 points, and we are going to take the Lions in this one to cover the spread. Will Tampa take me down again? No. No, I don't think they will. 
I think Detroit really had to get the monkey off their back last week of winning their first playoff game in the majority of our lifetimes. Okay, 30-something years, great accomplishment. They finally did it. Now that that's taken care of, the pressure is off. The biggest advantage Detroit have or has is that they get to play this game at home. How electric was that atmosphere last week against the Rams? It was awesome to see as a, as a as a viewer, someone that doesn't really have skin in the game. I didn't care who won the game. It was so much fun to see how amped up that place was. It's going to be just like that, if not more, this week. Tampa is the ultimate Jekyll and Hyde team on the road. If you look at their home, if you look at their road splits, they basically either put up 28 points or they or they barely score 14 throughout the entire course of the season. All the road games pretty much fall into either of those categories. I think we're going to get the latter this weekend. When Tampa is at their best is when they can establish the run with Rashad White. Detroit was second best against the run this year in the regular season. To win this game, Baker's going to have to throw, which he certainly can do. The pass defense for Detroit is very poor. These two teams did play each other earlier in the year, with Detroit winning 20-6 to in week 6 of the of the season. In that game, Baker threw for two. The uh, Tampa Bay was also the home team. I should add. In that game, Baker threw for 206 yards and an interception. Rashad White had not even 30 yards rushing on the ground. On the flip side, Goff had 353 yards with two passing touchdowns. In that game, the Lions did not have David Montgomery. They did not have Jameer Gibbs, and they did not have C.J. Gardner Johnson. I think with the emergence of Jameer Gibbs, that Detroit can really control every single facet of this game at Ford Field. Baker's awesome. It has been amazing to see him succeed given given the hand that he was dealt in Tampa Bay. But he better buy those tickets to Cancun because the buck stops here. I think this is one of those games that could actually end up being a blowout with Detroit just kind of blowing the socks off of Tampa if Tampa Bay are not careful. With that said, I'm going to lay the points with Detroit and see what happens. And our last game of the week, fourth game, we have plays five and six in this one. The Buffalo Bills are going to be hosting the Kansas City Chiefs in the playoffs. This is going to be the best game of the week, without question, in my opinion. This is the best game of the week. When they played earlier in the season, I was on Kansas City. This time, we're flipping the script, and we're going to take the Bills' money line. I do have the Bills winning the Super Bowl, so I do feel obligated to stand by them now. I'm not going to betray them and suddenly pick... The other team, no, 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 not me. I'm going to stand by my Super Bowl pick. Go, Bills, go. Now, it's rare that you find Mahomes as a betting underdog, and he's historically done quite well in situations similar to this. However, I think it's time that we just admit Buffalo is the better team. You're going to hear this a million times on the broadcast, but this is Mahomes' first ever road playoff game, and it is quite the hostile and crazy environment to have a road playoff game in. The Chiefs, even with handling the Dolphins last week at home, they still really, really continue to struggle on offense, particularly in the red zone, as they failed to convert on multiple opportunities, three of them actually, outside of two drives where they were to, where they were able to put together touchdowns. The Dolphins' defense was also held together by basically paper mache and tape, as four of their defensive linemen who played last week were signed the week of to fill out their roster with all the injuries they had. While the, while the Bills' defense is admittedly banged up, they got five starters currently questionable, they're still significantly better than what the Finns could throw at KC last week. This game, it really comes down to Josh Allen. If he can stay turnover-free, it's the Bills' game to lose. He's proven he can move the ball and score against the Chiefs' defensive scheme led by uh, Steve Spagnola as their defensive coordinator time after time. The Bills are ready to beat their boogeyman team of the playoffs and make a Super Bowl run. Give me the Bills to take care of business at home.
And my sixth play, I just said it, it's also in this game. We're going to be on the over. The over-under is currently at 45.5. We are going to smash that over. In the last five years, teams who have held their opponent the previous week to seven points or less hit the fo- hit the over the following week at a clip of 81%. How many points did the Dolphins score last week? Right, only seven, okay? The Chiefs defense, which is no joke, by the way, it's no joke this year. They are a very strong defensive unit. They are ranked fifth at home. However, on the road, that ranking falls to 15th per DVOA. Conversely, their offense at home is only ranked 13th, but on the road, it improves to the sixth best in the NFL. I don't understand how the stats are possible, particularly on the offensive side, right? You think, okay, they're at home. The offense is going to do better. No, the Chiefs are completely the opposite. On, on, On the road, the Chiefs offense actually clicks. So that that really is a good sign for the over on this one. Both times these teams have met in the playoffs, it turned into shootouts where where the games ended in over 70 points in both in both the times. We're in for a cold weather game here, no real wind effect like we learned last week when there's cold weather games, the over actually tends to hit. So, I think it's a great sign. I have a feeling we're in for a thrilling shootout. I want a piece of the action. I think we're going to have a an ESPN instant classic on our hands here. I'm going to take the over and see if we can't hit it. So those are my six favorite betting plays for the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. Please remember to like and follow the Smoking Hot Takes podcast on Spotify. As always, this is C-Dubs, and I'll see you next week for the championship week of the playoffs.